You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Luke chapter 5, we'll start in verse 33. The Bible says, And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees? But thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and they shall, then they shall fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a, new, putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old, if otherwise then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith, the old is better. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, for the chance you've given us to assemble here. I pray, Lord, that you anoint me to preach the message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand. Draw us each closer to one another as you draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning in the book of Luke, we're uh, looking at uh, two parables and starting off with a little uh, mention about fasting and prayer. And I want to ask you this morning, why did you attend church? What is coming to church and the worship of God all about to you? What does Christ mean to you? And why do you keep clinging to Him? These are uh, questions worthy of our time and our effort uh, to put forth to our mind to figure out, uh, to answer. And I don't suggest that those questions can be answered by us uh, very quickly or very easily. And anyone that can give quick and simple answers, I don't believe has wrestled with those questions as much as they should both to the detriment of the church and their own faith. Those questions deserve time and prayer and reflection and study. As Christ walked the earth, many people uh, walked with him. You can see that in the Bible. Uh, we're aware of the disciples, but there were also others. Some understood the message and got it, and others did not. Some were changed and others were not changed. But still, the crowd walked on. And Christ addressed the reason why some got it and others did not in today's text. Uh, and as we look back into that, we must do so with a mind and an understanding that Christ wants us all to understand and to learn and to get it, to have our minds renewed, as the Bible says in the book of Romans. Many churches like ours 
once had been thriving in, in an energetic body of believers who were spreading the gospel and ministering to the families in the area. Uh, but today, there are countless numbers of churches just like us who have decreased in number, uh, and some of them are struggling to keep it going. So in verse 33, I want you to look. Um, because those, uh, as we look into that verse, I want you to realize and think about the fact that we serve a powerful, big God, and it doesn't have to be the way that it is. And uh, we look into verse 33, and you see the Pharisees are at odds with Christ. And, and verse 33 says, And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine, eat and drink. So their question was this conflict. Uh, the Pharisees have set up everything uh, Christ is about to say. And keep in mind that this episode that we see, this, this recounting of uh, these events that we see unfolding, uh, began right after Christ healed a man with palsy and forgave his sins. He then called Levi and was the guest of honor at the feast that followed thereafter. So to put all that together, uh, the Pharisees are asking Christ, why do you eat and drink with sinful people who are socially and morally unacceptable? And why is it that everyone else we see is fasting and praying, but your disciples are not fasting and not praying? And that's when he answers them then uh, in verse 34. He says, and he said unto them, can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast? while the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he explains it a little further then. In thir verse 36 he says, uh, And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of new garment upon an old, if otherwise then both the new maketh rent, and the piece that was taken out of the old agreeeth not a piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith the old is better. So the Pharisees and the scribes were at odds with Christ because of the two problems that they had that uh, these two parables point to. First, they were fasting uh, when they should have been feasting. The scribes and the Pharisees were very pious individuals. Uh, Luke 18 tells us that the Pharisees who fasted twice a week, and that may have been the normal practice for them, so twice each week the Pharisees would mark themselves and their dress uh, with evidence of mourning and sorrow that uh, could outwardly be seen. And it uh, isn't hard to see. And they abstained from food while they were doing that. Uh, and it isn't hard to understand that they were probably mournful and sorrowful uh, because they had once been the mightiest and wealthiest nation on earth. But now they found themselves in Jerusalem under Roman rule, uh, the fourth uh, four empires to rule over them in uh, so many years there. 
uh, Babylon, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, and now the Romans. Uh, And also during this time, God was silent. This is during the time of the 400 years where God had not uh, spoke through the prophets. And to put that in perspective, 400 years we know is a long time, but uh, as you think about it, this nation has been formed and independent for a little over 200 years. Uh, So twice almost as long as this is, we've been a nation, was God silent to the nation of Israel. So the people fasted and prayed and they were pleading for God's intercession, for God to speak and God to move once again. And here they are in front of them stands Christ. Very much God speaking and God moving and God preparing a plan and preparing a way for the salvation of Israel and for the nations. But the Pharisees and the scribes had missed it. They were unaware. They could not accept that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. They could not accept him, so they missed his freedom that he offered. They missed his joy, his blessings, his acceptance. So when they could have been celebrating God's presence, they were still fasting and mourning and praying. So that's when Jesus asked them, how can you make the children of the bridegroom fast when he's in the room? He's basically saying, why should my disciples mourn when I'm right here with them? Why should they pray to me when they can just talk to me? This is a time for a feast. It was a time for a celebration. But the Pharisees, who were bound up in their religion, were trying to follow God, were in fact far from him. In their rejection of Christ, uh, not only were they fasting when they should have been feasting, but their form of religion and worship was incompatible to the salvation that was found in Christ Jesus. And Christ uses those two examples to point that out. If you take a new patch of clothing and try and sew it onto an old garment, both pieces generally are ruined in the process. The new patch shrinks and tears the old cloth, or at the very least, the old cloth offers very little for the new patch to cling on to and to hold on to. And the second parable that uh, Christ tells them, the second example, was used about putting, old, putting new wine into old bottles. The new wine would ferment and expand, and the old bottles couldn't handle the pressure, which would then cause them to bust and the wine to be spilled. And I've, I've heard sermons in the past where uh, there's a lot of emphasis put on new wine and old bottles, and uh, the points are always trying to figure out or pointing to was Christ talking about a new thing or preserving an old thing, and generally it, it depends on the preacher as to which one of those sermons that you get. But in reality, when we look at it, I think it's better for us just to assume that Christ had a different way of doing things, that he was ushering, um, instead of worrying about if he was ushering in something new or if he was condemning something new and preserving that which was ancient, uh, the real issue is that Christ had an agenda and a way of doing things that was far different from the Pharisees and the scribes. Uh, And we find ourselves sometimes 
in that same situation today where uh, we want things to be like we want them to be, and that's far different from what God is doing and how God is moving and what God wants to happen. The Pharisees had long forgotten why they were here. So that when Christ came on the scene offering a relationship, inviting them to follow him, offering liberty for the captives, they only saw a crazy person who was messing up their religion, messing up their traditions. So when we look back into the New Testament, we see the scribes and the Pharisees always at odds with Christ. Uh, It's simply because they had no idea who he was or what he offered. Had they known who they was, who he was, they could have joined in on the celebration. They could have stopped the fasting and the praying and joined in in the feast. But they didn't realize, and the result was constant struggle. And in a way, our small independent Baptist churches have resumed this struggle today. Uh, the Pharisees, as we look into it, of course, were fasting when they should have been feasting. Um, and that's not exactly our problem. We, uh, it's the same thing, but it, it plays out in the opposite direction. You and I are feasting while we should be fasting. In the 24th chapter of Matthew, Christ told his disciples uh, some of the things that would occur before he returned. He talked about famines and terrible diseases, natural disasters. Uh, And he goes on, but uh, then he said this in the Bible. He says, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be." He talks about a time where they're feasting and celebrating, and it speaks of times that are trouble-free and uh, seemingly happy, the eat, drink, and be merry mindset that prevails in our world today. And the church has followed suit where we are feasting when we ought to be fasting and praying and mourning over the spiritual condition of the age in which we live. Instead of laughing at heretics on the television, we ought to be weeping over the lies that they spread and the false teachings uh, that they uh, teach to those around us. Uh, All you need to do is turn on the news and we realize that sin is absolutely rampant and wild and out of control, that hearts have grown cold, and the love for God and the things of God are missing, that church has become optional, that evangelism is left to professionals. And uh, we pray um, in times like these that, the, that Christ looked 
looks over our cities in the same way, or we should be looking over our cities the same way that Christ looked over uh, Jerusalem when he wept and cried because they would not repent. We don't have that same mindset where there's no brokenness and no weeping. There's no urgency. There's no agonizing over our lost friends and our lost family members. There's no agonizing over a person uh, who have lost the sight of holiness and righteousness of God. And we've replaced fasting with feasting. Not only, like the Pharisees, are we, have we got our feasting and fasting times mixed up, but our form of religion is often too, time, too much incompatible uh, with the salvation that Christ offers. The Pharisees' religion made them wonder why Christ didn't follow this rule or that rule, and they constantly asked him why he healed on the Sabbath. Why don't you wash your hands? Why don't you eat with sinners? Why do you break the tradition of the elders? Their religion was so structured uh, and so rigid that they could never enjoy the freedom that Christ offered. They could never experience the spontaneity and the freshness that came with the relationship that Christ offers them through the work on Calvary. So we must ask ourselves this morning and as we move forward, uh, is our form of religion compatible with the relationship that Christ offers? Or have we become the people Paul wrote of in 2 Timothy chapter 3? Do we have a form of godliness that is powerless and empty? Uh, and I urge you not to answer that question by your own experience or your own opinion. Answer it according to the power and the potential that we possess that's found in the Holy Ghost. The power and the potential that we possess through Christ our Savior. Through the God of the Bible and what the scriptures tell us. You and I don't have to uh, hide and be afraid. We can boldly know that God is for us and not against us. And that uh, he will keep us through whatever it is that we face. That he will strengthen and empower us with, through the gospel message to carry that out. That we'll stand before him one day. Uh, and we can live the life that he would have us to live, that we can have that authentic relationship. Uh, we can encourage and foster a life of discipleship to Christ. And the only way that we can do that is to lay our own agendas down, lay our preconceptions down, our personal ambitions, our sinful pride. We, can, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. So what is in store for us as residents of Fairborn, Ohio, and uh, members of the General Baptist Church here? Uh, what is coming in the weeks and months to come? I wish I could tell you, but I do not know. I'm not a prophet. I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do know that some churches thrive and are healthy. And the health and the future of our church uh, depends on three very simple things. Our willingness to wake up and redeem the time that God has given us. That we use the time that we have left here on earth. Paul said, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So as we wake up and realize that we've been feasting 
during a time that we should be fasting. Uh, we've been celebrating and easy and relaxed as though everything was okay because it was okay for us personally. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean that nothing out there is good and that we should never eat again. Uh, but we should have a mind and an attitude and a, an attention that's paid uh, to the lost and dying around us. That when we gather here, this isn't about us. It's about Christ. And when we go out the doors, it isn't about us again. It's about those around us. The second thing that we must do is have an overwhelming willingness to align our behavior with biblical principles. As we've been doing uh, our food distribution on Saturdays, um, I keep telling everyone that I'm able to talk to uh, in other churches, uh, especially with Brother Connolly, who was here, I think Thursday night it was maybe. Yeah, I think it was Thursday night. I, I kept telling him over and over again that we're not distributing food for any purpose other than it's the biblical thing to do. That we'll stand, all of us, before our creators and we could say we done the best that we could. We gave as much as we could give. As much as you blessed us with, we bless the people around us. So we must, as a church, be biblical, extremely biblical in all that we do, even if it means giving up what is comfortable and safe to us. And the third thing is our willingness to repent and let God's work begin in us personally. So if we have been asleep spiritually, if we have been feasting during this time when we should be fasting, and our rules and traditional traditions and schedules have squeezed Christ right out of any leadership in our lives. Um, it's time for us to pray. It's time for us to allow Christ to change us, to transform us. Um, once that happens, the Beatitudes take on a whole new meaning to a person. Where the Bible, where, uh, we find in the scriptures, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say, All manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven." Once Christ has transformed us and changed us and we have a new life, those Beatitudes take on a whole new meaning for us. Stand with me this morning.